Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I asked just like that. Another episode of Cool Button Hockey Podcast. We're in season two and episode 91 overall at the very top of the list of league storylines. We've talked Boston. We've talked Vegas. But maybe it's time to talk New Jersey. Can you make the playoffs before U.S. Thanksgiving? Is this team this good, Craig? Yeah, they are. Yeah, there's no question they are. And I mean, earlier on in the season, you know, the goaltending wasn't where it needed to be. And now it is. And uh, they're they're quick, they're fast, they're competitive. And, you know, when you when you think about how they play the game and they play it in that in, in, in that manner where they where they're on their toes. And if you uh, are not sharp against them, they can transition so well and, and attack you quickly. So, you know, they're going to get their own chances. But, you know, they create a lot of uh, opportunity off of your mistakes that they're forcing. So, yeah, they're, they're legitimate. I mean, you go and look what they did in Western Canada. Six points. They said, thank you very much, Rada Western Canada. You know, and, you know, we didn't get hung up out there. Beat some pretty good teams in Alberta and Edmonton and Calgary. So, they're real. They're a good team. Two teams that are in that surprising category went in and won both games in Alberta, and that was Buffalo uh, and New Jersey, you wonder what this does. Well, it bodes well for both teams moving forward. The thing about the Devils, just watching them, Craig, and, you know, fake pro scouting them, as I taught, as you taught me to, you know, I love when we went to the rink and you taught me how to scout. It almost added another notch to my lipstick case, as the song said. So I'm watching fast hockey. I'm watching and saying, if everyone moves the puck and we all might be B minus or B plus players, we're playing a hockey and the, and the movement you say to yourself, okay, is Tatar that good is Mercer that good is uh, he's just playing the best hockey of his life right now. And the thing about him is he's a great one. Cause he kills penalties. He's on the ice. If you're up by a goal late, Hughes is not ready to play winning face off and, and be that, but to make Hughes the two, uh, they each have played with Brad. Like to me in watching that game, I felt bad for Ryan McLeod. We had McLeod versus McLeod, which is a great storyline. Ryan, here's the thing, kids. One play, three minutes to go, three two Oilers. He's at the offensive blue line, and if he gets the puck in, I Oilers probably win. But he doesn't. There's a miscombobulation. The Devils come down and score an ugly goal by Graves seven seconds later. And I'm thinking of Martin Buron told me, Lindy Ruff had a design play to open up an all-star game. 
And Chara looks and says, is he kidding? To the No, that's Lindy. They win the draw. They do a little down, out, and in. They hit Brat, and he scores. And I went to myself, that's Craig. I love it. When a plan is executed with skilled players, and of all the Devils this year, the one that's wowed me the most is Jesper Brat. So it was a good year last year. What took him sort of so long? Are we honestly thinking that he could scratch a 90-point season? That's the way things are. That's the numbers right now, Craig. Where are we on Jesper Brad, who seems to be the, the biggest straw offensively on this devil's drink? Well, you, gotta, you, you know, when, and, you know, when we look at the entire picture, you know, young players, for the most part, they're, they're not really ready to come in and, you know, contribute at the NHL level to their 22, 23 years old. And when you're a smaller player, it's even harder. You got, you got to have that physical maturity. You know, we, we, we see the exceptions to the rule, which are the brilliant players. But I, I said this many a times. Nathan McKinnon wasn't until his fifth season that he went to star status, superstar planet status. In his first four years, even though he was the first overall pick, one rookie of the year, he, he wasn't a player. And, and he was top notch. Takes these players a little bit of time. I, I think that Jesper Bratt has a lot of support around him. And I think that Lindy really uses him for his strengths. You know, how many times do we see players, oh, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Lindy goes, you skate, you're freewheeling, we're going to set up plays for you. With the way the game is called and the, and, the, and, the, and the standard on obstruction and interference, you can have these design plays. And if you have good, if you have players that can pass the puck well, you're going to be a fast team. And when you have players that are really good skaters and are quick and, and, and with speed, they're going to be able to take advantage. That's what you saw on that goal against Edmonton. So Lindy's looking at it and going, well, why will I not take advantage of, of, of the skill and speed I have? So Jesper Bratt's a real top-notch player. And uh, I don't think last year was any accident. You know, we, you and me talk about this all the time. A point of game is really hard to do in this. <laughs> it's really hard to do. So, but it, it, somebody that's dynamic like that with the skill around him, he, yeah, he's capable. He's capable of being more than a point of game guy. So with the Devils goaltending, Mackenzie Blackwood has been injury prone, say what you will about the skill that Mike Johnson, our buddy, talks about staying healthy. Vitek Vanacek, Jonas Siegenthaler, and Brendan Smith with this group. Like when things are going well, sometimes they, it's like the meal tastes better than it is. It's like, no, this is really good. Is it five-star is it they're just playing five-star, you know, riding a certain wave? You know, I could legitimately seeing them, say, taking the Capitals' playoff spot. And maybe the Islanders take the Penguins' playoff spot, maybe. But the, these the, like these guys aren't the Rangers or Carolina, right? Right? Well, uh, I'll say this. The way the Rangers are playing, I don't know if the Rangers want to be the Rangers right now. I mean, I mean. Again, on, on Sunday afternoon, two nothing lead against Detroit. They 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 cough up a hairball again. You know, you think about the the Rangers got to find they got they're they're not playing very well at all. I don't think so. You know, when you when you see a team like the like the Devils playing as well as they are, keep in mind too. You thought Sigenthaler's a good player. He's a really good, you know, uh, you know, defensive uh, defenseman that can move the puck and he, he's territorial. The trade they made for John Marino has, has paid real dividends for that team. You know, they traded for Ryan Graves the year before. You know, Colorado had to move some players out because of money. So, you know, the Devils are taking advantage. 
Steve, you hear me? And they got Luke Hughes coming. And they got some Kevin Balls, a big, strong defense. They got some really good defensemen. This team is on uh, on an upward trajectory. You know, and, and again, I, I just mentioned John Marino. I just mentioned Ryan Graves and everything. And, and it drives me crazy. I, I, I got to stop being driven crazy. When I hear managers talk about how hard it is, oh, we're trying to get defensemen. And they go, oh, it's hard to get defensemen. And I see teams all around me getting defensemen. Like, I, I, I keep looking. I go, oh, they got a defenseman. They got a defenseman. But all, all, the, all the whining that goes on from teams, oh, it's hard. I, we're trying to get a defenseman. Yeah, well, I, I guess you're not very successful. You're not doing your job very well. This is, you know, I just named two guys, that, that Sigenthaler, Marino, and, uh, and Ryan Graves. Like, yeah, like, are they Kale McCarr? No, but don't tell me there's not defensemen out there to get. I am so sick and tired. It's my rant of Monday. I'm sick of it. If it's so hard to do your job, resign it, and we'll get somebody in there that can get the job done. I'm sick of it. I saw a defenseman in Ben Sherratt yesterday. Yeah, there's another one. He, he, he Goche was going harder than that. Right-handed shot, off wing, and Ben Sherratt said, there's no way that this collision is going to end badly for my goalie. So he went in there and he paid the price to make sure that he took the goalpost in his right shoulder. He knocked Goche with his left shoulder. He protected Nadelkovich. And I thought, wow, like it was just a great play. And if I'm Steve Eiserman and then I'm watching the game again, I'm thinking, do you think the blues would have lost six in a row if they had David Perron in the lineup? Then I start thinking of guys that left like, Pavelski, they didn't like him in San Jose, and he goes to Dallas. At one point, Joe was on the show. He was sad. He was sad. He, he had San Jose on his mind. Do you think he wishes he was there now? Dallas has been like, it has been Benjamin Button since he's been in Dallas. Then I see the Blues and what they're going through and some issues. Ryan O'Reilly's never started a year like this. He took ownership of it, which is great. Kairos had issues. You know, don't tell me about injuries because every team in the league has had injury issues. And I see Detroit and I see Perron. It's in overtime. He battles a, a kid half his age in Keandre Miller. He draws the penalty. I think, well, circle back, circle back. He didn't circle back. He almost scores from his knees on the backhand. On the four on three, he threads the needle to Kubalik and they win the game, Craig. And I'm thinking to myself, there's guys that, and you've told me when you said, I needed to insulate my star, so I went out and got a, a Craig Conroy. I went out and got Drury. I went out and got guys that could help. And this is what I, I'm not saying the wings of the devils that are going to make the playoffs. All I'm saying is they're better. They're going to push the puck forward later. And and I don't like the name drop, but I've been lucky to be around people like you and Kevin Lowe and Ken Holland. And he says, Steve, just watch the games. The coaches will tell you what schemes they're running. The players will show you what they're made of. David Perron, you know what he did yesterday? He showed me. He showed me this. You know what he did? He helped the Red Wings win again. And, you know, he come, he's in the fights. You know, and I, and I just, I loved it. I just, I just loved it because you either compete and help your team win or you're there. And remember, as Ludzie taught me, you want, you want pleasure skating? Then you better leave a quarter when you leave the ice. Yeah, well, how about this one? And 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 we talk about it. And we we have different, uh, uh, you know, different experiences and everything. And and we're talking about Detroit. So I'm staying right on Detroit. They celebrated the '97 and '98 Stanley Cup teams there in Detroit just over the over the last few days. 
Yeah, you know, they had they had a lot of skill on that team. But you know when they became really successful? Guys like not guys like when Chris Draper, Darren McCarty, Kirk Maltby, Marty LaPointe came in there and said, Yeah, okay, this is how we're gonna play. Steve Eisman, Sergio Fedorov, great players, Lich, they had those other guys behind them. What Steve Eisman did this summer, you talk about the competitive level. David Perron, Andrew Kopp, Ben Sherratt. And, he's not, and he brings in Kubalik, right? I mean, competitive spirit, competitive effort. You know, what, what David Perron brings to your team is a competitive temperament. He, he says, I'm not accepting losing. Doesn't mean I'm going to win every time, but I'm not accepting losing. Ben Sherratt, you talk about that play he made, paying the price to protect his goaltender. That's pain. Andrew Kopp, he's all in. And, you know, you, Steve Eisman, everybody talks about, oh, look at who won free agency. You know what? You know what free agency is about? Adding players that help you win. Help, help you win. That's how you win free agency. That's how you get your team better. That's what Steve Eisman is doing in Detroit, and that's why – they're going to continue to win games. They're going to always be competitive. And they got a pipeline, Steve. They got a pipeline of prospects that are top-notch. Watch out. This Detroit Red Wings team is on the rebound. They're going to be they're going to be competing for Stanley Cups here in the not too distant future. And they got either players on the roster who are hurt that are either going to stay with the program or could possibly be traded. So that gives them more options on improving the overall look of the club so a guy that you know very well doug armstrong came out with some interesting comments last week and i love how he backed craig berube he said if i had six chambers in the bull i wouldn't use any on the like it's almost to say we're gonna be here some of you guys might not and yep. there's 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 underachieving players um so where do we start uh, ryan o'reilly can't be this bad jordan Cairo is gonna score more than he's got and he's always been kind of an 200 foot issue you know what i mean he's a 140 foot player and that's kind of his fault and they're bringing him along you know butchnevich was hurt that hurt them um peron gone that has hurt them for sure um bennington started better and then kind of slumped but they're too good to have six regulation losses in a row they and the penguins are are, are reeling so can the blues get this back on track and what are we seeing that we're not seeing, if you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> what are you singing? I know what they're singing in St. Louis, and it's the blues. <laughs> you know, you think about it. I, I, I look, let's deal with Pittsburgh separately. Let's just stick on this. Yeah, we'll, we'll push them later. We'll push them okay. back. So the St. Louis Blues, when they won the Stanley Cup, Steve, you know, they were they had a big, strong blue line. They had, they had a blue line with Petrangelo and Edmondson and – you know, Bertuzzo's still there and Pareko was still there, but they, they had a blue line that was that, that was really, really significant. It was heavy. They, you know, I call them, you know, you know, they were space invaders. They they took the space of your opponent and they didn't let you play in like inside of them. And and they they really took advantage of that. And and that protects any goaltender. Certainly, Jordan Bennington did his part, but it protects your goaltender. Their defense isn't nearly as good. It's smaller. <laughs> It doesn't have an elite blue liner in there anymore when they lost Petrangelo, right? So to me, for them to have success, what they have to do, they have to rely on their forwards to really press the issue, you know, what I call play, defending in front of the red line. 
And by that, what I mean is you defend in front of the red line by putting pressure and not letting them come at you. Because I think now when teams come at the St. Louis Blues, they're able to take advantage of them in in, in the St. Louis Blues uh, defensive zone. So I think when we talk about the forwards, I think the forwards have to get back into that mindset of like, you know what, our best defense is going to be us making sure that no opponent gets out of their zone easily. Like they they got to suffocate their opponents in the offensive zone. And and I'm I'm talking about without the puck. I think they got to – and I thought last year they found a way to do that really well. I thought earlier this year they did that really well. I think that's what they got to get back to. I think they've gotten away from that. So, like, when, when you look at the numbers and everything, when, when you're letting the other team come out of their zone a little bit easy, now you're chasing back all the time. And, and now your defense is more vulnerable. That's what I see with the St. Louis Blues. I think that that's where they have to make a significant adjustment back to making sure what I call defending in front of the, blue, of the red line. And that's a great point, and that's how Rod Brennamore kind of does it with the Canes, right, to protect the back end, which doesn't need protecting. They they did make a move, right? They made a move up front. We haven't seen Patrick already yet, but Brent Burns, oh, my God, uh, rolled back the clock, man. Like, he's rolled back the clock. And by defending <laughs> harder up ice and, and, and forechecking, you make it easier for Freddie Anderson, right? You make it easier for your defense that's the already good. Uh, and you create offense from that. And why would I why would I engage them at their blue line or at center or in my own zone when given the choice with my speed? You know, we use the word relentless. And the, the 2019 Blues were relentless. Their blue line, you know, when you mention who's not there, like Jay Bowmeister, when people say, and I had a little argument with somebody from Ottawa, like Jay Bowmeister and say a Thomas Shabbat, two different players. Team Canada does not need Thomas Shabbat if you've got the you know, Devon Taves, if you've got the Adam Pellicks, if you've got the Jay Bolmeisters, they've got enough offense. They want space invaders. They want Mark Edward Vlasic in his prime, in his prime, when he got in the way, right? Like, there's a difference when I just need to shut you down. It's like, all I need is defense. Move the puck, get off the ice, and have a whole bunch of guys. I don't need, nobody could have five Bobby Orr's, six Bobby Orr's anyway. I don't need that. You know, if I've got my Orr and I got my Dennis Potvin, I got my Larry Robinson, I got Brad Park. Oh, that's a pretty good team. You know, then it's then then I don't need that. So when I look at certain players and what they can bring to the table, and then you talk about a Ben Sherrod, he would also look good, I think, in St. Louis. Look good at a lot of places. You could argue that as an agent, I think I could have got Ben Sherrod more because Craig, we placed him on like eight. <laughs> we placed him on eight teams uh, this offseason, but only one team got him. So for the Blues, because per- Scott Perunovich was also playing. And they have Tory Krug. So they were kind of undersized and they want Perunovic to be in their top six. Okay. But then that comes at a price when they're not elite. Well, Krug can be, but Perunovic then, can he really do some of the other things skill-wise? So they're, I know they want to change their team from being heavier, slower, grinding to be more skilled. And in trying to get better, they're probably worse. And right now this start has been, it's been, I mean, you watch the Montreal game and you've seen them and, you know, some of the other performances, it's uh, it's underwhelming. There's time. You know, they got a big week and a road trip ahead. But clearly, it's a storyline of a team that is, they're out of the gate poorly, Craig. And they're not the only good team out of the gate poorly. So, and so let's go back to the Montreal game. Montreal's quick and fast, right? And, and, and like all teams in the league now, like transition is a big part of the game. Like, I mean, obviously the teams with more skill are going to be better at transition. But everybody's in a transition mindset. 
And if you're and if you're not, like you know, take a good look at what's around you because you, you because you're making a mistake anyway. Uh, that that's what I mean when you just said you know relentless defending hard in 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 the offensive zone. Like Montreal was able to come through like easy. That's that's where the forwards have to be better in St. Louis. Because the blue line is what the blue line is. And until that changes with, with, with moves or whatnot that Doug may be considering or, or executes, that ain't changing. So so now you, you want to win games? There's a different method to doing that for the St. Louis Blues. Time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the NHL brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. 19 plus. Play responsibly. Mr. Button? From Van City, what do you got? You know what? It just feels like the St. Louis Blues, if if they don't win here shortly, there's going to be some changes there. And, oh, yeah, they got Boston on Monday in Boston. I don't like their chances. And you heard what Doug Armstrong said. He said, hey, listen, it's not about hope. It's about winning. They're not winning. Tuesday night, Vegas to Toronto. Toronto's really found a way to play well in the last three games. They're going to be tested again on Tuesday night, but I'm taking the Leafs at home against the Golden Knights. And how about the Pangies? The Pangies on Wednesday night, winless in seven. They got to find a way to win that game, don't they? Against a pretty good team in Washington, maybe a team they can beat with their history of rivalry. I will take St. Louis to end the skid in Boston. Yes. Feels like a 4 3 overtime or shootout game. And the Oilers go in to beat Tampa. Also feels like a 4-3 shootout overtime game. And some will say it could be a preview of the Stanley Cup final. I think we overuse those phrases, so I probably shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, a big week for some teams that have been, as we say, Craig, underwhelming. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. Log on to SIA.com forward slash cool button pod. That's us. Sign up and deposit today. Canada Sportsbook is Sports Interaction, 19 plus. Please play and, like us, win responsibly. Cha-ching, Sazich. Brandon Tanev, Yanni Gord. It's a pretty good game on Saturday. Uh, obviously, the best stretch of Seattle Kraken hockey. All this with, you know, Grubauer Hurt again. Their team save percentage is in the 880s. Like, uh, they're driving a horse and buggy here. They're in the eight. They're in the 800s here. I mean, I love Martin Jones, and he's six three and one, but he's at nine oh one. So, hey, 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 everyone's got issues, but at least they're winning. Um, but for the Penguins, I mean, it was supposed to change against Boston. It was supposed to change against Seattle, and it hasn't. Now there's still a long runway. We've just talked about teams in the Metro that are underachieving. So, is there pressure on Mike Sullivan? Is there pressure on the? Dynamic duo, Hextall and, and Brian Burke. What would you do if it was you? If it was you and you're angry this morning, you're an angry button waking up on a on a November morning. What do you do? Do you calm the team? Do you go down with it? Like, when would you meet with a team, Craig? I, I mean, first of all, you got Mike Sullivan there. And Mike Sullivan's got his finger on the pulse. I mean, like, good luck. I mean, if, if you're thinking about, uh, uh, you know, thinking Mike Sullivan doesn't have his finger on that pulse. He's a darn good coach. And, you know, you, 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 to me, I'd be spending more time talking to him, trying to trying to work through potential solutions. And not co-solutions. Talking to him about different types of players we need. I don't have a problem with Mike Sullivan one bit. I like the Pittsburgh Penguins 
core of their team. I have no problem with Latang. I have no problem with Petrie. I have no problem with Crosby. But I don't have any problem. You know what they got? They got too many players that don't give you very much. They got too many players that I call it like I use football analogies here. It's field position. So you're trying to gain field position, field position. And so Crosby and Malkin and Gensel and those guys, they gain advantages. And then the next group of players come out, forwards I'm talking about, come out and, and, and they just retreat. And now you give up all that space and you give all, all that, that field position. They have too many that are giving too little. I'd be making changes Who? in the forward group. Who? Zucker? Well, I mean, you're Kaepernick, Kaepernick, Kaepernick Danton, Heinen, Heinen, those guys, they don't give you enough. My good friend Tim Bernhardt, you know what he called them? 20, 20, 40 players. 20 games are really good and you love them. 20 games are okay and you kind of tolerate it. And 40 games, you don't want them. That's where I find the Penguins. I, they have, they have, they're getting too little from too many. And it ain't 87, and it ain't 71, and it ain't 59. It's that group below them. I saw it in Calgary a few years ago, and everybody wanted to jump on Monaghan and Goudreau and those guys. They were performing. They didn't have enough behind them. They didn't have enough behind them. Oh, so what do they go and do? Oh, yeah, that's right. They go and get Blake Coleman. You know what? There's players out there that you go and get. And everybody – Steve, I have a thing, and, and then Scudder and everything. I, I call them – Attractive players you don't want. They look good. They give you flashes. They're inconsistent. You know, you keep this hope that what you've seen in flashes is going to be more. It never is. It never is. That's the way I look at the Pittsburgh Pack. I think they got to make some significant changes in their forward group. Here's the problem, Steve. They got players that are on contracts. And I, Brian Rust isn't one of those guys. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem with Brian Rust, you know. We're talking about guys that they, they they don't have enough deeper down their lineup. And people go, oh, you're going to blame those guys? Uh, no, I'm not blaming those guys. They are what they are. What I'm blaming is, is the composition of the team in that area. You, you gain you gain a position, then you lose it. You gain it, you lose it. And in the course of a game, the better teams you play, they're not giving it up. So you're just back. You're just getting backed up, backed up, backed up more and more and more. So you – would move one of or all of Zucker, Heinen, and Kapanen. They are 20, well, I, 20, I, 40 I need a different steel. mix. I need a different mix. You know, I need a different – hey, listen. I, like, you know, you, you, you look at the I, – I, I've used this example many a times. In, in 1998, we traded for Mike Keane and Brian Scrudlin from the New York Rangers. You know, what I, you, know, you know what I called them? Rusty nails. We needed some rusty nails. The Pittsburgh Penguins need some rusty nails. I think Brian Burke would like to get some rusty nails in there. I don't think I have to do any convincing of Brian. Well, Jeff Carter banged up hasn't helped, and that would move someone down or bump someone out. Um, and if you, not meaning you, I mean, you philosophically, like the 2020-40s or get fooled by them in the hockey world, then there's somebody else out there that always says, well, if they're if this guy's on the market, he could help us because we've got some 2020-40s as well. So sometimes maybe you're just rearranging the chairs on, on the uh, Titanic. So we like the right side of their defense. I'll tell you a we story. Like I'll tell you. Let me tell you a story. Okay. Because it's an important story. Dave Garnier was a really good player for us in Minnesota and Dallas. And then we traded for Joe Newendick. And we went and, and, and David swung. He, we put him on the wing and he tried his hardest, but he wasn't a winger. He wasn't a winger. He's not a 20, 20, 40 guy. I'm not, I'm not trying to put him in it, but he wasn't a winger. 
He tried to to do everything he could. We know what, what kind of skill he had. And, and it, it was a square peg in a round hole, as Doug Jarvis described. We made a trade with Toronto. We ended up getting Benoit Hogue, a left winger. And we, we traded Dave Gagne. And Doug Jarvis said, he goes, we're a better team with Benoit Hogue. Not, not, not that he's a better individual player than Dave Gagne, but he's a better fit for our team. And so it, it, it's not about that. And, and, and another team can benefit from a Casper Kapanen or somebody like that. But for me, the Pittsburgh Penguins need some rusty nails. And so how you compose your team, I think, is really important in, with respect to that. So that's the story. Like, you know, it's not sometimes you need a change. You know, I, I traded Corey Stillman for Craig Conroy. Not because I didn't like Corey Stillman, but I needed a centerman. <laughs> and the, that was the price. <laughs> and I think in a way you could argue there is something about losing the best player and in theory getting worse by getting better because you might plug two holes, that you might trade an A for two Bs because that works better with the compilation of your club. And, and the other team might need a... I'm just, I'm just, because you brought it up. I'm just saying, yeah. Ally Frady goes to Washington for, for, you know, Rousers and Zezel. And you say to yourself, that's, you lose that trade. We don't need that guy. We need two guys to plug. A, we need, you know, a, a four or five defenseman and we need a third line center. Cause we've got other pieces and, you know, you're not saying you draft the other two over the one, but it's like, what you're saying is what works for us, but that's, that's, that's knowing your team. Cause we've talked about the Penguins defense. Latang, Petrie, Yan Ruda on the right side. Dumoulin and then Marcus Pedersen, the Dragon, and right now Pierre Olivier Joseph. So is is that in front of Jari and to Smith fine? Because if that's all fine and they've already made their moves, because right now everyone's talking to New Jersey. We're so happy we have John Marino. We love John Marino. John Marino's playing great. John Marino's playing with Ryan Graves. He's playing great. So they're happy. Um, are, is there buyer's remorse about uh, making that move? Or is solving the forward problem um, the issue here too? Because I'm looking at the, the the left side of the defense, and if that is any issue in Pittsburgh moving forward, or if we're nitpicking, I saw some gap control on Saturday. I didn't like. That's not a reason to move anybody. I just like the defense. I like my defenseman up. You get the back pressure, my defenseman. When you allow these zone entries, and you give these players today that much time and space. When Jessica doesn't gap up, she walks home, Craig. That's what I say. You're walking home right now. You got to be on these guys. You, you, you can't gap guys. up, though, if you don't have support coming from behind. Oh, yes. Yeah. Exactly what I just talked about. Okay. Defensemen, I have no problem with the Penguins' defense. And you know something in this in this, in this this stretch? P.O. Joseph is, is, is a positive player in this stretch here. Dumoulin's been a little bit banged up. We know that. I have no problem with their blue line. You know, the, the next perfect blue line in the National Hockey League, okay, wait a sec, there might be one in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, there's <laughs> okay. one, there's so, one, yeah. On the, outside of Colorado, right, I don't see a perfect blue line. Anyway, but that being said, like, again, it goes back to what I'm saying. Like, like you, you know, you got four – remember what I said about about football field position? Like, you know, like you just keep getting pushed back. So what, do, what is the defense going to do? They're always back on their heels because if you're trying to – step up the puck's behind you now it's a two-on-one like i I don't i deeper down their forward group they gotta they gotta change it they gotta change it in my view not good enough and you know again like crosby and malkin go out and do their thing and then that 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 other group comes out and then they just they're they're, they're retreating and then 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 
Then the cavalry comes out again, led by Crosby and those guys, and they and they push. And then those other guys come back and they go, Oh boy, we're back here. It's just like good luck. Good luck. That's where I think they gotta make a change. It it ain't in the net, in my view, it ain't on the blue line. It's right in that group of forwards, seven to twelve. Seven to twelve. I gotta change that and I gotta change it quick. We can't point to what ails the Rangers just on Yaroslav Halak. I think that's the low-hanging fruit, just saying, well, he hasn't won a game. Thought he did a lot of good things yesterday. They scored on the four-on-three goal. He uh, smashed his stick. Uh, there goes 412 U.S. dollars. So you were already not happy. with the like the like To use your football analogy, the, the Rangers weren't the Jets yesterday. Let's put it that way, right? Like they're, they're, they're punting too often. They're... They're they're starting well, and it's it's and I, I think at times the Rangers feel well. We've done enough here to win this game, and we're up. No, you come back from two nothing leads, and you're allowing other teams to do things. I don't know what's kind of off there with this club. And I look, we all know they're not as good as a team that finished last year because they couldn't keep Andrew Kopp and Tyler Mott and Kevin Rooney and go down the list and everything else, or Igor or Igor's backup and Alexander Georgiev. So that's, that's fine. Uh, it's almost as if they think, I think we've done enough teacher and they hand in their paper and it's like, no, that's, that's not an A paper. I'm sending it back to you. And they, they have the ability to, to close out the ability to finish and everything else. Um, and I've also noticed some things, you know, sloppily in terms of defensive zone and penalties like that. Yeah. Like, right. I'm so little eh, they, look, you know, a guy texted us and said, Hey, I want some Ranger loving at the, on the podcast. Well, this isn't loving. This is just disgusting that right now they're, they're, you know, they're in the trenches a little bit. Their feet are in the mud. They're walking through the mud. They thought it'd be a little bit easier, but I, I, I think this is a little adversity here is good for the New York Rangers. And just to say it's all Halak's fault. I think that's just pointing the finger to say, oh, okay, it's only Halak then. Was it Halak's fault they blew, they blew the two-nothing lead? No, they stopped moving their feet, my friend. They're, they're not moving their feet, these Rangers, in my opinion. I, I, I like the blue line. I, I think they have a really good blue line. And we know that Shesterkin's a phenomenal goaltender. And if you want to just put it at the, at, at the literal feet of uh, Yaroslav Halak, I think you're not seeing the forest for the trees. You, I, I think you nailed it. They're disciplined, positional discipline. I think they're getting themselves into spots where they're vulnerable. Defensemen, and, and you watch, I watch young defensemen all the time. So do you, Steve. When you take a step in the wrong direction, that means you got to take two to make up for that wrong step. Two steps in the National Hockey League may as well be a mile. <laughs> may as well be a mile. I think that the New York Rangers have to get a lot more settled in their defensive zone defensive play structure i get that they want to be quick to go but like you know you 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 got to understand that like at times you know where you're trying to apply pressure i you know i saw it with toronto you know down the stretch of mike babcock's reign what i called mindless pressure you're you were just applying pressure for pressure's sake but if you're going to just apply mindless pressure Good teams are going to take advantage of you. Good players are going to take advantage of you. They're going to pass the puck around your mindless pressure. you got to be able to recognize when that pressure can be effective. I love pressure. Don't get me wrong here. I, I love pressure. But you cannot be, be utilizing mindless pressure. Because good teams are going to – and I think right now that the New York Rangers have to get into a more settled 
positional set and then pressure off of that. I think that their their pressure is it, it it's it it's chaotic. It's here and oh my god, I got to get back to here and now everything breaks down. Is it breaking down in a big way all over? No, but it's breaking down enough where it's costing them hockey games. And I think that that's back. That's the first thing I would start. When teams are struggling, we talked about St. Louis, we talked about Pittsburgh, we're talking about the Rangers. You know, there's usually more than one thing that's going on, but you got to, to me, this is where coaching comes in and Gerard Gallant, Craig Berube, Mike Sullivan, all, I think just, okay, what's the one thing we need to fix right now? <laughs> what's the one thing we need to, and then we can work on the next thing. Don't try to fix all four things because now you, you, you're just nibbling at it. So I, I, I agree with you, Steve, on that, on that defensive posture, defensive play, defensive initiative. Too scattered. It's interesting how the Rangers who were last, last year at this time and were just shesterking teams and, yeah. you know, not sustainable, not sustainable. They improved the roster. And, and, and that was the case. Now our top five in puck possession, but then are making <laughs> a couple of key mistakes, almost like, well, we're doing enough. You're not sealing the deal. That's why it's like, it's not a bad record. It's not a bad start. Uh, and it's not like even Shesterkin, like his numbers are not where they were last year. Like we got Jake Ottinger and Carter Hart and a whole bunch of other newer goalies that are in the analytically best goalies in the league right now. And it's not Shesterkin and it's not Vasilevsky, which makes it very interesting when we looked at, you know, goal save above, above expected, everything else. So I find it fascinating. I love it. And the one thing before I'll go first on final thoughts is I love and, and you taught me a long time ago about expect the unexpected. Isn't it great about the unexpected, you know? And just because you're in a hole, St. Louis or Pittsburgh, doesn't mean you can dig yourself out. The Leafs dug themselves out of a hole by not scoring themselves out of trouble, by defending themselves out of trouble, by grinding with guys like Dennis Mulgan and Callie Yarncroke. For those who don't know Callie Yarncroke, like, he helped win games this week. Like, he did what he's supposed to do. Like, you need your bottom six to do something you you need your stars to score and grind and to do special things like Mitch Marner didn't have a great game yesterday but in the one moment he made a Marner play that, that wins a game with a goal and I, I thought it was Muhammad Ali rope-a-dope hockey because it was a schedule loss and all that stuff but but I think it's interesting so there's time to get out of it and there's times for the players that you have in their slotting as you're allude, alluding to in Pittsburgh Using your football analogy, the Leafs kept pushing the Canes back, and then they had to punt, then they got good field position, and then they score. That's what happened on the Tavares goal, so that's something to watch for. Okay, trades and, and pie in the sky. If things keep going wrong in Vancouver, I'm just going to throw this out there, okay? I'm going to throw out there that they're willing to trade Quinn Hughes to only New Jersey in a trade that New Jersey knows that they will lose. That to make this thing happen, a three for two or whatever whatever it is, that we would entertain doing a favor down the road, down the road, if this thing in Vancouver is going sideways. I know it's pie in the sky. I know I'd like to get all the Hughes brothers together on one club, but it's not a trade. It's not going to be a hockey trade. It's a trade that the Canucks will win, that they say we're dictating the terms. And those terms would include a Dawson Mercer, a fir like certain things, but the Devils to get the brothers united would lose Mr. Button. I'm just throwing it out there for Jim Rutherford and his cast of thousands to think about, to say, we're willing to do this as a favor to you guys, but we will win the trade. 
just something to think about Mr. Craig Button, just to get the, what do they call them? Is it the hamsters on the, the wheel? The juice is flowing. The juice, the juice is, is flowing. Oh, I know you started thinking, because I'm, I'm sitting there saying, we're going to win this, right? We're going to win this. Um, and not that I would want to trade Jack Hughes ever if I'm the Vancouver Canucks, but I'm just throwing that out there as a, you know, chew on this as I leave. How about that? Okay, well, you're, you're not going to get off that easily by just getting to leave because I'm going to be like Confucius and I'm going to question you. I'm going to come back with you. Maybe not, maybe Socrates. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll use the Socratic method of questioning you. Okay, great. So you're the Vancouver Canucks. You sound sound like, like you know, you, 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 you propose this. Oh, I think the marketing department with the New Jersey Devils would be all over this one. You know, let's not forget and I still say it's the greatest draft move ever. Brian Burke, when he went and got this to the Sedins, everybody was trying to figure out how they would play apart from one another. Brian Burke was looking at how am I going to get them together? Brilliant move. So it's kind of like that, right? You want to get the three of them. I love the marketing move and everything and thinking about that. So now here's my question for you. And let's just pretend we're on stone tablets back in, in, in Greek days. I know you like you, you were just in Greece. So we'll, we'll pretend we're, you know, in Athens. You know, and I'm going to ask you the question. So then, okay, Quinn Hughes goes, how do the Vancouver Canucks win a trade by surrendering Quinn Hughes? How? And I'm not asking for names. I'm asking you how. Well, it would be a lot of pieces coming back. Now, the Devils might say this isn't the time that for... kind of pieces? Socratic method. Well... Right now, I don't know if the one or two pieces, like I, I would like a Dawson Mercer and maybe I would like a Ryan Gray. Not me, not what's me. What's that? No? You want to win a trade, I'm going to I'm gonna give you the answer. You want to win a trade, you're Vancouver. Just for Brett? You better, get the, you better get defensemen. You're trading a number one defenseman and you're not going to get defensemen back? The Vancouver Canucks to win a trade, it ain't getting other forwards. It's getting defensemen. <laughs> no, but if, if you don't were... get defensemen, you're not winning any trade. Do you you're think not winning they would, any trade. And guess what? You're not winning trade, on the ice either. Think they trade Jesper Bratt as part of a Quinn Hughes and then the Canucks. You use... don't need Jesper Bratt. You need defensemen. No, but now you could trade. Now you're trading oh, Besser. Oh, okay. Now... Okay, so you said, so, okay, so you're like, like, Steve, bottom line is, you got a number one defenseman in Quinn Hughes. He's unique. Good luck. I, I told the story earlier. You know, we traded Larry Murphy in the fall of 1990. I was in Minnesota. We traded Larry Murphy. Uh, it was no more than a month later. We were looking for a defenseman, a right shot defenseman that could run our power play. We traded for Kevin Hatcher later on, you know, on a Mark Tenorti deal. And then we ended up getting Zuboff. It was only six years later that we found the right shot defenseman that fit our team nicely. So go ahead and try to, I love the marketing aspect of the New Jersey Devils. You're the Vancouver Canucks. Like, I'm not saying it's just with New Jersey. To your point, it's about finding like, you know, okay, what else are we going to do? But I felt the same way this summer, Steve. When they signed Ilya Mikheyev and they signed Kuzmenko, I said, oh, this is interesting. They got some forwards here. They're building out their depth. They got some speed. They got some skill. They're going to trade some of their forwards to get some defense. Oh, how wrong was I? <laughs> how wrong was I? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, as we close Steve, up the episode. It's hard. it's hard, you know, hard to find defensemen. Yeah. Really, really hard. Really, really hard. <laughs> I'm I'm being nostalgic and the Graves and the Severson and a forward that's not going to work. That's it. if they had if they had Bull Byram on the club, 
right? Now we, you, it'd be more realistic as a starting point, right? If they had Bull Byram in New Jersey and we start to say, here's what we would like, it will have to start with Byram and then include whatever. I just, I'm trying to help the family just have to go to one <laughs> rink. <laughs> yeah, and you think about the distance between yeah, the the Proust Center and uh, and uh, Vancouver. That's a long distance. That's a lot of gap. Yeah. But think about this though: for 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 Jack and Ellen, not Jack, for Jimmy and Ellen, uh, you know the the Quinn the Hughes uh, boys' parents, they can they can start the games early and watch. They can watch you know Luke and and Jack in the East, and then they just turn on. They stay up late, watch the late game with Quinn. They get they still get it all. They. Don't, <laughs> Oh, uh, speaking of family connections, uh, Guelph, right? We played um, on the weekend and played Queens. We beat them last weekend. Uh, we kind of laid an egg and lost to them in a shootout. On that team is Wyatt Johnston's sister. She scored the shootout winner. Uh, she's a lefty, uh, very skilled. And then I met the parents. And as that game was going on, by dink of the schedule, we went into the bar, Dallas was playing Edmonton. He then got to watch White. And then I said, we want to get White on the show. And he goes, I don't have that much pull with the Stars organization. I said, okay, we'll we'll get Bruce to call Dallas and get him on. But Wyatt Johnson, who's up to four goals on the year. Doesn't that go to show you a little Canadiana? You're in the Guelph bar watching women's hockey. Uh, Wyatt's sister scores a shootout winner as Wyatt's game is going on. And then afterwards, they just sat there husband and wife watching their son so proud as you can be as they uh, annihilated Jack Campbell and the Edmonton Oilers, Craig. So that's my weekend story for you. Oh, it's a great weekend story. And that's how, that's how hockey connects us all. Right. And, you know, it's always fun. And, you know, I, I I like your marketing bent though, Mr. Coolius. I like your marketing bent. You, You had your, you had the cap on and, you know, for the New Jersey Devils, I'm, I'm sure they think about that, but, I don't know unless the Vancouver Canucks are going to make multiple trades off of that maneuver. You got to win the trade by getting defensemen because the the, the problem the problem is Steve. It's really simple. Their blue line is is not quality. Not it's not deep enough or quality enough. Oh yeah, I know everyone's got issues. I'm just trying to you know I'm thinking ahead. Remember clearly, I would say that the Canucks would win the trade. The Devils know to do what Brian Burke did to get the Sedins. We're losing the trade here. It's not like, well, this makes it even, and you're throwing me a lot of fifth and sixth defensemen, third line. No, 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 I'm not t- saying that. It would be made easier if the Devils were bad, and they were in the lottery this year, right? If the Devils were bad and they were in that lottery conversation, you know, that's the sexiness, right? But doesn't look like that's going to happen now. So this trade is on hold. Uh, as is this episode for Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Cooley's. We'll see you around the corner at 92. Enjoy your week, everyone, and try to be good to one another. Just try, okay? See you. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.